All right. Hey, we're, we're continuing on with our, our seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, uh, this is one of the phrases. Um, we're going to read the whole passage of Scripture, but really there's so much power in two words that we're going to look at tonight. The two words are, I thirst. This is what Jesus said from the cross. But as you're flipping there, uh, let me ask you this. At any point in this whole time that Ryan and I have been talking about, uh, we've been talking about the, 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 the previous four things that Jesus said on the cross. At any point in time, did Jesus lose control? So if he didn't lose control, Caleb, would you say that he was always in control? Okay, so we've got one for always in control. Okay, what about you, Alyssa? Would you, would you say that Jesus was always in control? Okay, now we. we, Yeah, or no, we're we're cooking. I was about to say, we're going to have to go backwards and reteach some things, but yeah, all right, good. So we've got two that says Jesus was always in control. Other one, you're getting the affirmative nod. Mobsy, what do you say? Where's Ben Moses when we need somebody to act stupid? (laughs) Have we started recording yet? Okay, good. He heard that. Um, What about you? Was, was Jesus always in control? All right. Anyone say that Jesus ever lost control in this whole time? What, what did Ryan preach on last week? Well, no, not last week. Two weeks ago. Do you remember? What's that? Yeah, he was on the cross. Very good. Hey, you are a step farther than anyone else in the room. What about you, Sam? Not quite. We're going there next week because we're not quite finished. When he didn't say who his mother was. was. No. What you got? Hold on. Hold on. How's this making you feel? (laughs) No. (laughs) Pretty much it's like they're not listening to anything I said. All right, go ahead. That was... The time before that. Hold on, hold on. Let, let's go to the source. Ryan, what did you preach on last time you preached? There we go. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we see it in Hebrew or Aramaic, depending on which translation you read. So with words like that, I don't want you to think at all that Jesus ever lost control, because we're actually going to look at tonight how he stayed in control the whole time. Look at, now, you don't have to turn there, but listen to what John chapter 10, verse 18 says. Jesus says this, that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Jesus said this way back in John, about halfway through the book, or a little more. So he even was confessing right there that anything that we read about tonight that we're going to say, Jesus never lost control. Listen to this passage of scripture uh, in John chapter 19 verse 28 it says this after this jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture i thirst i'll go and read 29 just for context a jar of a jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth Uh, and obviously we know that he drank so in this whole time jesus never once lost control uh, at all was going on now so if we're saying this uh, let me let me help you understand what you're saying Jesus was in total control when he was getting beat, when he was getting whipped, 
when they were putting the crown of thorns on his head. Jesus was in total control when they were plucking his beard out. He was in total control when they put the purple sash around him and made fun of him and ridiculed him as a king. He was in total control when he carried the cross to, uh, all, up to Golgotha. He was in total control uh, when, 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 he, when they got a little help on the way. So Jesus was in total control when they nailed him to the cross. So as I say that, you, you guys understand, the whole time, Christ was fully in control of this whole situation. We're in this, right? You, you guys are feeling that? Okay, I didn't know if that was a, a nod or you're just like, Sammy, you're an idiot. Stop talking to me. That was a good thought too, I think. But so that's what you're saying. You're saying that he is totally in control of all of these things. Now, here's, here's, what, here's why I say that he's in control. Look at what Scripture says when we go to Scripture. It says this, after this, Jesus, what's the next part? Knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. Jesus, when he was even on the cross, was thinking Scripture was in his mind. His life was to fulfill Scripture. His whole embodiment was the fulfillment of, of what, the, what, the, what the prophecy said about him. So Jesus, even in agony, even in pain, he knows that all that's going on is, 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 um, is to fulfill Scripture. Look what John 17 says this. Um, because he says this, it, all, knowing all that now is finished. What, what all is finished at this point? What's the theme of John? Remember we, we talked a few years ago about John. There's one common theme that kind of streamlines itself all the way through John. The hour. Remember? Because even at the wedding in Cana, Jesus says, you know, he, tell, he tells his mom, my hour has not yet come. There's other times in, in Scripture to where his, the time had not come. His hour had not yet come. There's this whole theme that John has written throughout all of Scripture. So the hour is upon us. This is the hour that we're reading. This whole part, the death of Jesus, is the hour that John has, has talked about the whole time. So this is where we are. This is what Jesus is saying. So it, it, it says this, knowing that all Scripture was now finished. What is all of Scripture talking about? What, what part of Scripture are they talking about there? Do you know? Okay, Old Testament. Yeah. And then it goes on to say this, knowing that all Scripture was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture. What Scripture are we fulfilling right there? We're not at the end times yet, though. Good thought, though. Here's the thing. We have no idea. Now, I'm going to give you some speculation, some, some ideas where we think that Jesus is talking about here in a few moments, but the point is, is that there's no place right here in this part to where it, it, it even alludes to the part of Scripture that, that Jesus is talking about. He's fulfilling. Now, there's a few places we'll go to uh, here in a few moments, but before I do that, what is the words that he said? The two words I said, these are the most important two words that we're going to look at tonight. I thirst. Now, why would Jesus say that? Does Jesus have the ability to get thirsty? Yeah, absolutely. Remember the woman at the well? He walks up to her, and she's sitting at the well, and he sits down, wearied from the journey, and he asks her to give him some water. Remember that whole scene that we see? I think it was in John chapter 4, somewhere around there. Um, so Jesus did have the ability to thirst. Hey guys, here's the thing. This was Christ in his flesh, 
in the bodily form, letting us know that he's going through pain and he's going through agony for us. Now, let's go back and look what Christ has been through since the last time he's had something to drink. When do we know? Now, we don't know this for certain, but the last time in Scripture we see that Jesus had something to drink. When was it? Yeah. It was just the night before. Now, there's a lot that's happened since then, right? What else happened? Well, he's been arrested. He's had to walk to where he's gone. He's stood trial. He's gone from place to place to place. And then after that, he's been beaten. He's been flogged. He had to get this big, heavy, wooden crossbeam or cross, depending on your view of this whole situation. And he had to carry that all the way through the town, remember, because they would parade people through the town. This was kind of the, the culture of the time. It was to ridicule the person, but in all honesty, history's shown us it's also to give that person another chance. Because as you're going through the street, if someone will speak up on your behalf, that your crime goes before you. So if someone speaks up on your behalf and says, hold up, I have eyewitness account, Jesus didn't really do this, then they'll stop right there and they'll have another trial. That's just kind of the way that it was. But we don't see that, so Jesus goes all the way through the town, he goes up the mountainside, he's bleeding, he's sweating, do you think a brother's going to get thirsty? 100%. I mean, let me tell you what. I've been out with some of these guys that play football, and a few of them are in here. They walk out to the field from the field house. They're like, Coach, can we get a water break? Am I not right? All the time. Lacrosse guys, I'm up on the field with them. They'll walk up to the field. They'll look at the field. They're like, Coach, it's hot. Can we get a water break? And what do most coaches say? Water's for the week. I'm weak. That's all I can say. But so my point is this, is that Jesus got thirsty. It was a cry of agony. It's something that he was saying. Um, but, and then it also says this, that he did actually physically thirst, but also it was for what? So that he can fulfill Scripture. Now, this is where Scripture gets a little tricky. And if you read the, the other Gospels and you start, to, you start to try to see the sequence of events, you notice that in Matthew and Mark, it talks about when Jesus first got up there, they offered him what? They offered him something to drink. But now realize, this is, this is a different thing that we're talking about. Because this, this drink, this wine was mixed with hyssop, or, or, or I'm sorry, myrrh or something along those lines. Basically, it was almost like a little sedative type thing. You know, when you're going to get an IV, they give you a shot so the shot doesn't hurt. You guys ever had that? I'm like, let's, let's stick me once, get the blood. But this was, this was kind of a culture. It was so that they could numb the thing. Now, I'm going to be graphic with you for a moment. When I was in the Middle East, we went to an execution where they cut someone's hand off. Before they do that, they give them sedative because they don't want them to feel all of the pain. But guys, here's the thing. Jesus didn't do this. See, Jesus took every bit of pain and suffering for you and me, and he felt the whole wrath. That's cool. So that's what we're looking at when Matthew and Mark are talking about these things. He didn't want to dull any of the pain whatsoever. He just kept going for the moment. Um, and, and all. Now, later on, he did say, I thirst. And this is an awesome thought. I was telling Ryan about this earlier. John Piper read this. The reason that he got something to drink when he was on the cross right before he died is because he wanted people to hear very clearly the next words that were about to come out of his mouth after he took a drink of water. What was it? It is finished. Everything that Jesus had done, and we'll spend much time on this next week. And now this is purely speculation, 
But I love the thought process that Piper had on this because that is some of the most important words that Jesus is going to say on the cross. It is finished. We'll talk next week about that's the same phraseology that God told us all the way back in Genesis when he finished creation. See, what God had started and completed in creation and then was fractured by you and me, Jesus completed it again. He didn't want anyone to misunderstand what he was saying. So, Piper, go for it. That was your thought. I love it. Um, So anyways, he he said it's finished. Now, here's another thing that happened. Um, The commitment to Scripture, we talked about this a few moments ago. We have no idea, but here's a couple of these places to where we think that Jesus is talking about, where he says this, after this, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, what Scripture? Here's a couple of places we can look. Psalm 22, you don't have to turn there, just listen. Psalm 22, 15 says this, my strength is dried up, and then it goes on to say, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. That's one place. Another place in Scripture is in Psalm 69, where it says, they put gall in my food, and they gave me vinegar for my thirst. See, the whole point is this. I don't really know where they went in Scripture, and if you read, if you read different, different theologians, that, you know, Warren Wiersbe, Matthew Henry, um, I'll even put John Piper in there with some of these, even though he's not truly a theologian yet. He's not dead. He hasn't had enough sta- established time. But guys like this, they're going to debate all over the place. But the one common thing that we know is this. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he knew that he was fulfilling Scripture. Because all of Scripture points to whom? Jesus. All of the Old Testament points to him coming. The Gospels tell us about his life. Acts and the letters in the New Testament tell us about what happened through Christ and its establishment of the church. So at the center of all of Scripture is Christ. Even when he's dying on the cross, he knows that he's still doing this for the fulfillment of the Scriptures. But he said, I thirst. Jesus also was, was thirsting spiritually. Why do I say this? Because the word that they use, thirsty, to be thirsty, is also shows up in Scripture a lot of other places. As a matter of fact, in John, um, it shows up about five different times, including this one. Here's, here's some places it shows up. In John chapter 4, this is where Jesus is sitting with the woman at the well. And all of these times of thirst have to do with spiritual moaning, a spiritual thirst or spiritual hunger. The woman at the well, he says a lot of things, but one thing he does say to her here, he says this. In uh, John 14, 14, he says, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. There's satisfaction through Christ. But indeed, I'm, I'm sorry, will, will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. John chapter 6 says this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty again. All of this is having to do with God is enough. Jesus is complete for us. Uh, And another place in John 7, it says this, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow. So putting all of this together, we know that Jesus is talking about he thirsts for spiritual connection. Why? Let's walk through what's happening here on the cross. 
Who's dying on a cross right now as, as we're looking through this? Jesus, yes, obviously, that's a great answer. But let's, let's talk about who is Jesus a little bit even more. He's what? God. He's God. He's the Word became flesh. He's God that's manifest. He's, he's God. But he's also what? Man. 100%. Now, Jesus has always had fellowship with the Father, right? We see this all throughout Scripture, even in the life of Christ when he's alive. There's been a close communion and a union of fellowship that's taken place here between these two. But when he took on flesh, and then he starts going to the cross, and he starts bearing my sin and your sin, like Ryan talked to us a few weeks ago, there's this separation that starts taking place as he starts holding on and carrying all of our sin. God can't even look at Jesus during this time. Now Jesus, for the first time, is feeling the separation between the Son and the Father. That's why he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then that's what leads him to say, here in this passage of Scripture, I thirst. He longs to be reconnected to his Father. He's feeling the separation right now that's happening on the cross. That's what Jesus has done for us. So yes, physically he did thirst, but also spiritually he longed to be reconnected with the Father. That's us. I say that because of this. From the age of 18 to 21 years old, most of you guys know my story. I thirsted for something, and the only thing that would satisfy me was Christ. But I put so many things in my life trying to, to find me happiness, to find me peace. Every single one of us are always looking for that thing, and the thing is Christ. See, we don't know it. A lot of times we hop from relationship to relationship. Guys, you know the girl. She can't be without a boyfriend. Girls, you know the guy. As soon as he breaks up with a girl, he's got to go find the next, the next girlfriend because they can't be alone. That's how some people try to fill that hole. Some people try to fill it by things they look at on, on, the, on the Internet. Some people fill it by, by just pouring themselves into their schoolwork. Not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But that becomes their idol. All of us have this longing for a connection that we're looking for. All of us, just like Christ is saying here on the cross, we all thirst. And I know that you do, because when I say that, I see it in your eyes, and you're like, he knows. <laughs> I know. I've been that guy. Everybody that's, that's a believer in this place has been that person as well, too. We have such a desire for fellowship with our Creator, Jesus, who is God. He's, he's, the, he's the, the Word became flesh. In the moment that he felt the Father turning his face from him, he cries out, Hey, where are you going? I thirst. I need spiritual connection. So there's so much more that's going on right here with this spiritual thirst because he feels the separation that's taken place in his life. That's what he says. He's the full embodiment of Psalm 63 when he says this. 
O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's where Christ was. But here's the thing. Why did he do that? For us. See, Jesus thirsted to be reconnected for the Father so that we don't ever have to feel that way. Because we don't have to feel that way because Christ has, if we surrender our life to Christ, we never have to feel that. All right? Let me show you, let me, let me walk you through a place in Scripture where it talks about that. In John chapter 12, when Jesus is in the triumphal entry, he's coming into the city, this is what he says. He says, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me for this, from this hour. There's that theme of the hour again. Save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus was troubled. Why was he troubled? He knew that he was just a week away from dying. He knew all of the pain, the agony, and all this stuff that he was going to go through. He knew all of this stuff because he was totally in control of what had to happen. We see in the garden how Jesus labored because of these things where he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me. And then he also said, you know, but he also came to the conclusion where he says, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus sweated so bad that scripture says that drops of blood started to come from his face. This is a man in agony that was laboring. We see it starts when he comes into the city and he says, hey, my heart's troubled. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. This is what's taking place. And he says, Father, what should I say? Should I say, save me from this hour? Jesus says, no, what good would that do? That's why I've came. Father, that you may be glorified. Now, where's the connection? Because later on, in John chapter 14, he tells the disciples this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Why did the disciples' hearts not have to be troubled? Because Jesus was going to have a troubled heart for them. He was going to go through the pain. He was going to go through the agony. He was the one that was going to carry their sins to the cross. And he says, trust me. If you trust and you believe in me, you don't have to let your hearts be troubled. That's why I say, we know that Jesus' heart was troubled so that our hearts never have to be troubled. Jesus thirsted so that my heart will never have to thirst or long for God because I'm connected. He took pain. He suffered for me. Why? Because I don't have to get a whip or a cat of nine tails and go around and smack myself all the time because Jesus endured that pain and that suffering for me. He did all of these things for us so that we won't have to do that. That's why he thirsted. That's why he's saying this on the cross. I love these sayings because the last few moments that you spend with someone, once you guys are married, you'll, you'll see this. You have all these communications about things. Make sure that you're clear on this before they leave. My wife and I, we, we spend a weekend apart every month. Before she leaves, our conversation, she's like, okay, now, honey, while I'm gone, do this. 
And I'm like, okay, sweetheart, did you, did you do this? Okay, while you're gone, I need to do this. What are we doing? We, in those last few moments that we're together, we talk about important stuff. Why? Because we're going to be apart. Those are very, very delicate, important times that we spend talking. Now, a weekend's not that bad. But when I was in the military, and I would go away for like a month or two at a time, we had conversations at that point. Just being real, when I get on a plane and I go to Kenya, we have some pretty deep conversations. Because it's all the stuff, because you never know what's going to happen while you're gone. Those last few minutes that we have are precious. They're important. Guys, the seven sayings on the cross, and with Jesus talking to his disciples, these are the last few precious moments that we see from Jesus. Because he's going away. We have no idea when he's coming back. But he's telling us these things so that in his absence, we have assurance. Do you have assurance? Do you believe that all that we've talked about tonight, with Jesus thirsting, with, with um, him, you know, the, the church word being your substitutionary atonement, that he's gone through all of this for you? I hope that you do. But Clay's going to come up. He's going to play a song for us for a moment. I know you guys are like, holy cow, it's like 7.38. We're getting out early. Yeah. But here's the thing. We'll finish when you're finished with God. And I don't mean finish like I'm done. But you know that tonight, you've heard exactly what God needs for you to hear. You've dealt with anything he challenges you to do. You've listened to his leading through the Holy Spirit. And you walk out of here with the assurance of saying, God, thank you. Thank you that you have thirsted for me so I no longer have to thirst. Thank you that you were beating and you were persecuted for me so that I no longer have to be beaten and persecuted as well. See, the whole time that we've talked about tonight with Jesus, the whole time he's in control. He's never lost control of the situation. He's not excited about it, but he knows this must take place. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have eternal life? Do you know that? If you don't, you can make that certain tonight. Go find someone. Talk to them. If you don't, you can go talk to your mom or dad later on tonight. If you don't, tomorrow, when you wake up, if this is still gnawing at you, you can talk to somebody in your class. The point is this, is that when we're finished tonight, I hope and pray that God's not finished with you, that he still talks to you. So I'm going to give you a few moments. Just where you sit, take a few moments, block everything out. Sit and listen to Clay. And when you feel led, stand and worship with him. But just sit for a moment with your eyes closed and just talk to God and say, am I good? And when you know that you're good, let's stand up and celebrate. Follow